You are listening to EN4 News, Edinburgh's leading student radio station. For news, travel, weather, culture and sport, from Edinburgh to you. I'm Gregor McRae. And I'm Jessica Matheson. This is Radio Energy News. It's 3.30, here are today's headlines. Disruption across Scotland as the nation's teachers walk out on strike. Politicians and the public continue to react to the Supreme Court's Indy Ref ruling. Uh, and that we shouldn't have to go through the UK government to get the result that we want. And we look at a last attempt to save Edinburgh's iconic Filmhouse cinema from closure. We cannot afford to lose either the Filmhouse or the International Film Festival for Edinburgh. All of this and more coming up on Ian 4 News. Today's top story. Schools in Edinburgh were closed today as primary and secondary school teachers went on strike for the first time in decades. Our education correspondent Niall Fancy has the full story. The high street is alive with the sound of lobbying, while playgrounds and classrooms across the country lie silent. After yet another unsatisfactory pay offer from the Scottish Government this week, Scottish teachers have taken industrial action for the first time in nearly 40 years. The EIS, Scotland's largest teaching union, gathered outside the city chambers this morning, vocally demanding fair compensation for its members. To call a reheated offer is an insult to any cabal that's been microwaved the morning after. They've actually behaved in bad faith and it's made me very angry. Where are all the reserves? They, they had millions and millions in reserves. It's not been a negotiation, it's just you cannot keep on throwing the same figure and trying to spin it a different way. Teachers have been in renewed pay disputes with Holyrood since the beginning of this year, demanding a 10% increase to be backdated to April. This follows an agreement on a rise of 13% in 2019, which narrowly prevented strike action. With the economic pressure rising and the government's most recent olive branch of up to 6.85% being vehemently rejected by unions this week, today is the culmination of years of frustration among Scotland's teachers. Vice President of the EIS Union in Edinburgh, Claire Robertson, explains why this unprecedented strike is necessary. But every year in April, teachers expect their pay to be reviewed. Since April, nothing has changed. They've really left us no option. So we don't ever want to not be there for the children. It's the only option for us. The SNP and COSLA... Scotland's Association of Local Councils believe the recent offer is fair and in line with other public sector pay deals. The government's Education Secretary, Shirley-Ann Somerville, says the 10% demanded by unions is unaffordable for Holyrood, but while the grown-ups argue over money, children are stuck at home missing out on care and education. Lee Stoddart's daughter has special needs and her delicate routine has been thrown off by today's school closures. Well, I agree for the high school teachers to be getting a pay rise because the violence and threats that they put up with, they need the extra money. But primary school teachers, I think unless all teachers trained to deal with ASN kids, teachers really don't deserve a pay rise because they're not teaching every kid. In total, three unions will be striking this month and next. The SSTA and NASUWT have also announced walkouts. Meanwhile, more than 70,000 university staff will begin a new wave of strikes today, warning that these will continue into next week should no new negotiations take place. With the Christmas holidays fast approaching, the pressure on the government to prevent more disruption next term is higher than ever. 
First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has promised to continue the fight for independence following the Supreme Court's ruling that Holyrood can't hold a second referendum without Westminster's approval. Eva Azola has been out gauging public reaction. Scotland's First Minister says she's more determined than ever to hold another independence referendum. That is despite the Supreme Court ruling that there can't be a vote without Westminster's approval. Nicola Sturgeon says the judgement is a tough pill to swallow. However, she now intends to use the next general election as a substitute for a vote. Andrew Wilson organised a pro-independence rally last night in Edinburgh that he feels is a huge momentum for change. We will see other parts of the independence movement, other political parties like the Greens and the SSP come together as well. And as a result, we will see a majority of politicians, for example, who serve in this parliament, our parliament, I think we'll see them coming together with a good plan. Rishi Sunak says he welcomes the clear and definite ruling by the judges. The first independence referendum eight years ago resulted in voters saying no to Scottish independence. The former Scottish Conservative leader, Baroness Davidson, believes Scotland needs to accept what happened in 2014. The SNP have just never wanted to listen to that answer. They'd rejected it even before the last votes were counted. And the amount of effort that's gone into trying to find some reason to rerun this argument is effort that should have been put into the better running of Scotland. For a fresh vote to be held legally, Westminster would have to temporarily hand over powers to Holyrood. In the last few years, polling suggests Scotland has split more or less down the middle on the issue, including students in Edinburgh. It's probably fair because they'll be impacted by it. Well, based on Brexit, I think if Scotland becomes independent, then they don't have to worry about all the problems that England are facing, etc. So, I don't know, I'm kind of neutral in it. So I'd say it'd be better off for Scotland that way, in my opinion. I think it's quite sad that Scotland didn't get their approval to go through with a referendum and that we have to go through UK government still to get our approval and that we shouldn't have to go through the UK government to get the result that we want. Nicola Sturgeon wants to hold the second referendum on 19th of October 2023 but with the new ruling we will just have to wait and see if Westminster agrees to change. Following the closure of the film house, the fundraiser to save the landmark cinema is coming to a close. But will it reach its goal? Cara Blackhall reports. Both employees and the creative sector in Edinburgh were shocked when it was announced that the film house will close. A crowdfund was launched by a group of former senior staff members with the hope of raising £2 million by the 2nd of December. The pot is currently sitting at £109,000. Past members of staff are hoping that the fund can raise the money it needs in time to save the building that they believe has been a key business for the culture industry for decades. Tony Marshall was an usher for five years at the film house and he believes it should remain due to the importance it holds for members of the public. This has just been like an amazing place again for independent movies and it's just been like a great community for the older people, the older uh, cinema lovers here. The hope is that we can reach the two million goal and you see a lot of people like Jack Loudon, the actor and Mark Cousins, uh, the director, trying to you know help get the word out there and it, hopefully it happens and hopefully we can be coming back within a year, year and a half. On the back of the closure of the cinema, Scottish Labour have called for an emergency fund package for the arts and culture organisations in Scotland as they believe more venues and festivals will be lost if something isn't done. Scottish Labour politician Sarah Boyack has raised issues on what should be done to have a positive impact on the arts and culture industry in Edinburgh. Well, I wrote to the Cabinet Secretary for Culture uh, last week and raised issues that could be done now. 
you know, an emergency culture funding package that comes from the budget that's already there. Um, and hopefully the letter I've written to the Cabinet Secretary will make him think about what can the Scottish Government do to help because we cannot afford to lose either the Film House or the International Film Festival. With this fundraiser being organised and donations coming in, hope is running high, but time is running low. There are only eight days until the Film House closed their doors for good and both the customers and past members of staff are hoping for a positive outcome. Well, here with more on this story is our cultural correspondent, Emma Cooper-Rayburn. Hi, Emma. Um, we've just heard the news about the film house. Can you tell us what this will mean for the cultural life of Edinburgh in general? Well, the loss of the film house is a huge blow in what some industry professionals are calling Edinburgh's cultural decline. At the Scottish BAFTAs, Scottish actor Jack Loudon expressed his concern for the closure of the cinema, saying how we have no cause without these cinemas, and that without cinemas we're just a bunch of fancy idiots. Also discussed was the ongoing fundraiser that is taking place to save the cinema. However, the target of £2 million by the 2nd of December is a long way from the £109,000 that they have currently raised. The closure is also a huge setback for film students too, as the film house served as a support network for them to share their work with film experts. Um, the film house has been the main focus of this cultural decline uh, that you mentioned. What other venues or events are being affected? So since the end of the Fringe Festival this summer, the strong reputation of Edinburgh's cultural events has been on the low and the closure of the film house hasn't helped. The Scottish Labour Party have recently said that we need an emergency plan to save the arts and culture. There are also concerns that cultural venues will end up in private hands due to the cost of living crisis, the energy prices and slow ticket sales. The, two, the Modern 2 Gallery is set to close its doors at the end of this year due to financial difficulties and Cineworld, who own Edinburgh's Cameo Cinema, filed for bankruptcy in the United States earlier this year, causing concerns for the business in this country. Um, well, it sounds as if Edinburgh has been really impacted by these closures. Have you got any good news about culture in Edinburgh to leave us with? Yes, I do. This year has seen Edinburgh host a number of new festivals in the summer, including Connect Festival, which had a huge response. Also, a brand new concert venue in Edinburgh is getting the go-ahead, which will be the first concert hall in the city for more than a century. And of course, for the first time since the pandemic, Edinburgh's Hogmanay will be back with the Pet Shop Boys headlining. Emma Cooper-Rayburn, cultural correspondent. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. It will be a very breezy day in Edinburgh today with a band of rain falling eastward and particularly heavy in the west. The rain will clear this evening and eventually dissipate by morning. First Minister's Questions was particularly combative today as Nicola Sturgeon clashed with other party leaders over alleged privatisation of the NHS. Our Chief Political, Political Correspondent Thomas McCabe reports on the proceedings. The old familiar debate over the NHS has once again dominated First Minister's Questions, despite the momentous Supreme Court ruling yesterday. Privatisation was the buzzword of the day, as after the First Minister's attendance at a meeting where privatisation was discussed, Conservative leader Douglas Ross pressed the First Minister on the topic. Is she denying this conversation took place? Is she denying NHS chiefs discussed a two-tiered system in Scotland's NHS, which apparently she finds funny? Sturgeon replied, 
I did an interview on Monday addressing the comments in the minute. The minute is there. I wasn't denying then that the conversation had took place, and I'm not denying now. It is, what, what is the best word to describe it? Bold for a Conservative to come here and talk about privatisation of the National Health Service. Ross continued his attack, also bringing in Health Secretary Hamza Youssef. So if the First Minister is to be believed, NHS chiefs are not listening to the Health Secretary, but are going off to try and fix the NHS on their own with no government oversight. So is this not just another confirmation that Hamza Youssef is out of control with Scotland's NHS? Sturgeon then turned the line of questioning back in Ross's face as she brought up his history on privatisation and protecting the NHS. Tory MPs in the House of Commons voted to remove this protection. Guess who one of those Tory MPs was, presiding officer? Douglas Ross. This First Minister's questions, despite the remarkable ruling yesterday, once again showed there are plenty of debates to be had at Holyrood. Now for stories around the globe, our international editor, Andrew Chung. Seven dead in Virginia shooting. Walmart employees in Chesapeake, Virginia were fired upon by a colleague. The pistol attack left seven dead and several more injured. The gunman reportedly turned on his colleagues inside the break room, then proceeded to turn the weapon on himself. Kevin Harper, an employee, comments. Just left out the break room, manager come in there, started capping people up in there. Started shooting, bro. Sadly, though, we lost a few of our associates. I don't know how many, I'm not going to speak on it. Airports could possibly abolish the 100 milliliter rule by 2024. Special CT scanners would allow airport security to 3D screen equipment. The aim? Drastically reduce wait times and less passenger frustration. The device would also allow passengers to carry on liquids of any volume, as well as technology like tablets, laptops and phones. The CT scanner is already being tested as part of review and an official announcement could be made in the coming weeks. Claire Irvin, head of travel for The Times, comments. These new scanners are 3D, so they can see, um, a bit like the ones you have in hospitals, for example, um, that you can see all around your bag, so um, there's no safety concerns. I mentioned this to my husband this morning. He said, oh, great, no cues, but what about the risk? But actually, they say they're much safer. Germany avoids FIFA punishment for covered mouth protest. As German players stood together for a team photo in Qatar, they covered their mouths in protest of the One Love armband ban. Former England women's player Ellen White says they should do their talking on the pitch. There's so much controversy obviously going in Qatar at the moment, but I think hopefully they'll let the football do the talking um, and, and hopefully they'll come back, especially England, with uh, something really special. Ukrainian refugees settled in Edinburgh have come up with a way to help with the war effort despite living hundreds of miles away. Alexandra Gumenyuk has been finding out more. <laughs> Edinburgh Spiders is what they call themselves. This Edinburgh-based society gathers to weave military nets for the Ukrainian soldiers to protect them during the ongoing war. It is a very meticulous yet rewarding process. The nets should be dense enough so it enables the soldiers to blend in with their surroundings. People from various backgrounds and of different ages are doing everything they can to contribute to the Ukrainian military. So my name is Natalia. I'm from Odessa. Well, I'll try to come as often as I can, as I, like my work like permits me to do. I just want to do something because like our military, they do 
everything for us actually to protect our country, to protect my loved ones who left in Ukraine. So I just want to do something to protect them. Upon completion, camouflage nets are sent off directly to the soldiers' hands in Ukraine. We have already completed eight nets and six of them already in Ukraine. You can see uh, two of the nets right here and this will be the ninth net. The society is accepting donations in the form of old clothes and bed sheets of natural colors. We are always in a constant need fabrics that we will simply put inside of our net. We also need money to buy the uh, netting itself. Today a new net is being installed and the weaving process starts all over again. This time they are weaving a winter net by using all white and grey colors to mimic the snow and the ground as the snow melts. Those nets may seem like a small contribution in the grand scheme of war. However, they could save countless human lives at the end of the day. This is Ian for News. Here's what's still to come on today's programme. Postal workers prepare for their upcoming strike, the latest to sweep the nation. A Scottish LGBT football team share their thoughts on World Cup host Qatar's draconian anti-gay laws. And Christmas cheer is in the air, as Emma Barton tells us about the annual opening of the Edinburgh Christmas markets. All of this and more on EN4 News. Royal Mail employees are the latest workers with plans for strike action, with thousands due to walk out tomorrow. Here with more is Ruri Holden. Christmas shoppers are facing a Black Friday shipping nightmare this year as Royal Mail workers announced their planned strike action this week. The postal workers across the Communications Workers' Union unanimously agreeing to begin a 48-hour strike number over 115,000, an enormous blow to the postal sector which retail bosses have warned will cripple the industry. Black Friday unofficially marks the beginning of the Christmas shopping chaos for most in the UK, with millions of pounds in discounts hitting stores across the country. For many, this presents an opportunity to purchase thoughtful gifts at reduced prices during the current cost-of-living crisis. The strike announcement came as industrial action grips the nation, with workers in almost all the UK public sectors declaring their plans to stand in solidarity with their colleagues against crippling pay cuts. The Royal Mail offered workers a pay rise of 9%, which was turned down by workers who called for an improved 18-month pay deal, a guarantee of no compulsory redundancies and an alternative business strategy. Fraser Holden, a member of the Communications Workers' Union, has been a postal worker for over seven years and, like many of his colleagues, has grown tired of the treatment at the hands of the Royal Mail. I feel betrayed that it has to come to this, the Royal Mail, because we've got a lot of praise through and after the pandemic about our hard work and now we're being attacked on our working conditions. Uh, we're mostly feeling hopeful and confident that we'll get some change. Uh, there is some anxiety about what the future is going to be. Now, whether or not CWU members will receive what they are asking this year remains to be seen. However, for many on the picket line, like Fraser, it amounts to more than just a pay rise. Widespread flooding across Edinburgh resulted in the closure of main roads and massive disruption around the city. Ali Dunn has the story. For those of us in Scotland, the sound of rain is a familiar one, but the flooding seems to be a more frequent and more disruptive occurrence in Edinburgh. With the winter weather storming in, people have been wondering if they will wake up to find their streets, cars and homes flooded or have their route to work altered. While the public look for answers amongst the climate crisis, Conservative MSP Jeremy Balfour puts the blame at the feet of Edinburgh Council. 
Well, I mean, I think it's a long-term problem, which the council simply haven't been dealing with over the last 10, 12 years. Uh, and the biggest problem is that the drains aren't being cleared from leaves and other stuff that goes into the drains. The change of priorities also follow several budget cuts made by Edinburgh Council over the last decade. This year they announced that their budget had a deficit of £76 million. If you go back a number of years ago, every drain used to be cleared every year on an annual basis. And the council decided that was no longer a priority and we wanted to spend money on other things. So those drains aren't being cleared. And thus every time there's heavy rain, uh, the drains uh, overflow and we end up with flooding, not just in Princess Street, but actually across many other parts of the city. When Edinburgh Council were asked how they were managing the flooding and the apparent cause, they refused to comment. With no clear plans ahead, it is uncertain if the floods will be dealt with anytime soon. Now, while the World Cup might be taking most of the football world's attention, there is still a massive game taking place in the nation's capital on Sunday. Graham Sinclair has today's sports news. Hearts and Hibs women will meet for the first time in the SWPL this season and it will be a record attendance for most players in the park, including Hearts forward Caelan Mitchie. Champions League games generate so much interest and I've played in youth international games and abroad in Sweden and nothing has really come near to the 10,000 mark so it's so exciting to have that just for also a domestic league game. While the fixture is a league game, the Capital Cup is also at stake. However, Hibs manager Dean Gibson is trying to maintain a business-as-usual approach. Nothing will really change. First and foremost, it's a league game, um, and then secondly, it's a Capital Cup, so we need to treat it as a league game. We need to try and get three points, and then hopefully we can enjoy the celebrations at the end of that if we do our jobs properly. And in rugby news, Daily Mail have reported Scotland superstar Firehalf Finn Russell looks set to join English side Bath in a surprising move. The rugby correspondent Rob Robertson was as shocked as everyone about the news. Um, I was a bit surprised as well. I thought he was going to stay racing in uh, 92. But I think the fact his partner Emma is due to give birth pretty soon. And I think as well, maybe racing 92 cut their um, initial contract offer by about 100,000 uh, euro. Sports correspondent Cameron Wanstall spoke with an LGBTQ plus football team who gave their view on the ongoing controversies surrounding the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Usually, the World Cup is a festival of football, but kick-off in Qatar has sparked controversy at every turn. Censorship of supporters of the LGBTQ plus community has been rife, with any rainbows or slight visual representation of support promptly removed from fans. Many members of the community opted to not travel to Qatar 2022, but trusted FIFA's promise that this was an inclusive tournament for all. Martin Duggan, player and secretary of Saltar Fissile FC, a Scottish club created exclusively for LGBTQ plus footballers, made it clear that he wouldn't feel safe in Qatar this winter, despite assurances from football's governing body that everyone would be welcome. I, I wouldn't ever put myself in that position, but if I did, I, I would not feel safe whatsoever. I would be constantly on edge. Player manager of Saltar Fissile, Michael Johnson, echoed Duggan's beliefs, stating that the host nation themselves are the sole reason he feels excluded from a supposed global event. We would never choose to do that because I'm married, have a husband that would be with him, then I would travel there and in that country he just wouldn't trust them. It's Qatar's strict homosexuality laws in which LGBTQ plus members can be punished with imprisonment or execution that has kept community members at home. But according to Andrew Henderson, a journalist for Pride of the Terraces, the blame for the ongoing controversy lies at the feet of FIFA, 
think it would take something pretty significant and you know touch wood god forbid that doesn't happen during this Qatar World Cup but it would take somebody genuinely being put in in serious danger for those opinions to change. It's apparent the LGBTQ plus community have been let down by the broken promises of FIFA and the Qatari government and it will take some time for the wounds to heal. This is Radio Energy Travel Here's the latest updates on Edinburgh's roads. Expect delays on Wester Hales Road between Murrayburn Road and Bankhead Roundabout because of an accident. Bus services are now operating as normal around Calder Road after a disruption earlier today. Traffic moving slowly on Longstone Road due to roadworks and there are three-way traffic lights on Kingsnow Road North. And finally, Edinburgh's Christmas markets have returned to the capital as people across the country prepare for the festive season. Emma Barton has everything you need to know ahead of the markets opening this weekend. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Santa has arrived early in Edinburgh with the Christmas markets returning to spread festive joy, despite fears that they would not be going ahead this year. Heralded as one of the most popular in Europe, the Christmas markets are in full swing, with all the biggest core attractions lighting up the city. Much-loved stalls will officially open and crowds will be welcomed to enjoy the festive activities on offer. The Princess Street Gardens have been prepped as they welcome back the festive fun we all know and love. The markets, Santaland, the fourth one big wheel and much more open this Friday. The ever-popular George Street Ice Rink opens Saturday and thereafter the markets will be open seven days a week from 10am until late. Crowned as the best festive market in Europe by National Geographic, Edinburgh's markets beat Paris, Cologne, Amsterdam and Brussels for the title. With over 70 stalls featuring top-class local traders, as well as UK and European partners, there will be something on offer for everyone. Bespoke gifts and tasty treats are just some of the products on offer as the smell of hot chocolate and festive delights fill the air. Families will love Santaland, where little ones can enjoy a Christmas tree maze, a family-friendly funfair and can even hear a Christmas story from Santa himself. All children will receive a holiday present and story settings include British Sign Language, relaxed and audio-described sessions. After concerns that the markets may not even go ahead this year, Edinburgh locals and city visitors can once again enjoy walking in a winter wonderland. And now a recap of today's main stories. Schools across Scotland have closed due to the biggest teacher strikes since the 1980s. Political parties continue to react to the Scottish Government's NDRF court defeat. And Edinburgh's film house looks almost certain to close indefinitely after the fundraiser attempt draws to its end. That's all for now. You can keep up to date with all the latest on the EN4 News website. Have a good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Radio Energy News.